Welcome to Civil Discourse. I'm Marilyn Brown. And I'm Jamie Wojtowski. And today I have a quote for you guys. So this quote is from Denise Jarvie. And it's a little bit long of a quote. So I actually today for the, the quote, I pulled a card um, from one of my favorite decks. And so this is from the Flower of Life deck. So the quote is, the card is called Weave Your Life. You are standing on the edge of everything you desire. Take a step or leap into what the mind perceives as the unknown, and you will pull toward you all you dream about and desire. Create, create, create. You are a work of art in progress. Weave a different web full of your dreams and desires and be willing to meet them when they arrive. Get yourself ready by knowing that they are on the way and by being present in each moment. If you are distracted by the future or the past, you won't know they have arrived. Your life is happening now. And you are weaving the direction of your life in this moment. Where would you like your life to go? The choice is yours. Spiral inward and feel your wonderment. And this I'm going to share. This is the imagery on the card for people who are watching and not listening to the podcast. So the imagery for people who are listening, it's like a the misty kind of forest looking thing with, with, with trees that don't have many um, leaves on them. They're kind of bare and it's like a misty tree setting. So what, what did that quote bring up for you as I read it? Uh, it, it brought up the three things uh, that we actually talk about quite often. The The first thing was the kind of idea of living uh, on the edge and that being more of an idea of kind of embracing things that might make you feel uncomfortable in order to move to a more mindful place. Mm-hmm. And then the other one was the idea of us as beings being progress and in a state of progress um, Mm -hmm. as opposed to a a fixed self having a self that is ever evolving and and being new and and reborn in each moment and then uh, the third i think is just that that spiraling inward um, because I think instinctually, at least for me, when I think of kind of spiraling outward, I think it's kind of the the kind of the imagery I see when I when I think of that term. So actually turning that into a, a meditative and, and internal state was interesting for me. Yeah. Yeah. I actually like that you, that you brought up that spiraling inward because that line at the end brings up one of my favorite, um, mindfulness, um, meditations where you visualize a spiral staircase within yourself and you imagine yourself slowly kind of walking and winding down the staircase until you settle into your core. And that's one of my favorite, um, mindfulness meditations to teach to people and to practice for myself, just kind of that, because it is, it's, it, we, we don't really pay much attention to spiraling inward, I don't think, and give a lot of space or, or, or um, 
value to that. And, and so I think that's one of the things that mindfulness really teaches you and kind of that idea of really going inward and, and settling in. And I think at this time of year, and that was also part of why I picked that quote. Um, I feel like at this time of year, that's what nature is kind of calling us to do is to spiral more inward and really, um, be curious about what's there and, 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 and be mindful about what's there. So I really like that. And then I also, um, when you mentioned that standing on the edge, I immediately picture and go to, um, the fool card, which is one of the typical or one of the, um, the major arcana cards. It's the first card in the, in a traditional tarot deck. Um, so it's the zero card. And, and in a lot of settings, the fool is like standing on the edge of a cliff and, um, waiting to kind of take that next step into the unknown. And I think that's something that we, um, as, as in our societies are kind of taught not to do, we're not really taught to live on the edge and, and go towards that. I think that's more of kind of like a, it, it, you almost hear about it in a cautionary tale about people living on the edge is like a negative thing. And that there were all these, these, these consequences to it. And I definitely think that, you know, that there can be consequences to anything, but I think recognizing and not looking at living on the edge as a negative thing, but living on the edge as being able to be willing to see and head towards that next opportunity. Um, Mm -hmm. because that's kind of what, what's on the edge is that being that willing to take the step into the unknown. And so I really think that, um, feeling encouraged part of I think part of mindfulness practice is really encouraging us to to be in the moment but with being in the moment also not anticipate the next moment but be able to kind of co-create with what is there with what's available with what the universe is kind of bringing to us so I really um connected to that imagery of it in that sense right and I think it's it's interesting with the being on the edge with the imagery because I think the reality is whether we want to be or not, we, in comparing it to the self, we were always on the edge. We were always just about to go over into the, the next part of who, who we are, the next moment. And I think you have three ways of kind of being in that place. You have people who are trying to desperately run from the edge and, and don't want to ever risk the possibility of falling over. And then yeah. you have people who are dashing for the edge um, yes. and, and, and that's all their focus is and they're kind of missing everything and, the, and they often can't find it because they're, they're searching so hard that they don't realize that it's right where they're at. Right, right. And then I think that to embrace it mindfully is just the awareness of, of being at the edge without having kind of an expectation of, oh, I need to back up for safety or I need to dive. Because right. what's going to happen when you're at the edge is going to happen. So just right. let it happen. Yeah, being able to just appreciate that edge and take in what's there what, when you're in the edge, being at that edge with your with your eyes open and not anticipating that next thing, but just being able to absorb and appreciate what is happening in that moment. Um, and, and also when you talked about people who kind of desperately try to run from the edge, I, I think that you're right. And it really brought up to me that image of, um, people who really struggle with a lot of chronic anxiety, um, where there's kind of the, where there's just a real struggle with, um, accepting change. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. and and being able to tolerate change. And so kind of a, a lot of times anxiety is like intentionally trying to build fences around the edge for yourself and kind of build fences. And, and so for some people, those fences get really, really, really narrow. And what you're able to experience becomes so narrow because you built all these things to try to protect you from the edge that, that again, like you said, we're already living on anyway. And so each of those moments is a choice of, of what you do with the edge that we're already on, um, which I like. And one thing that's, that's been interesting to me and that I've seen a lot on Instagram. Um, and I think I actually have reposted some of it myself because I do like the, the, um, kind of this, I do feel this kind of collective sense of like building towards a bigger edge in the next kind of year to come and, and what's going on. And I feel that for myself. And so um, there's a, a meme that says like 2016, the caterpillar, 2017, the cocoon, 2018, the butterfly. And one of the, one of the struggles with that, I think is that it, it does kind of make it seem as though there are these kind of huge dramatic moments where everything falls together and that we kind of are looking for this like moment where we're going to see all of the, the things that we, that we desire coming together and, and, and be able to experience all that and like reap the, the fruits of the things that we've been struggling with. And so I do think that that's, um, we have to be careful to manage our expectations around change and really be willing to look for those subtle things that happen on a, on a moment to moment and kind of day to day basis with how we maybe change how we respond to something differently, um, a conversation or, or, or change how we um, respond to ourselves differently. Um, and, and just kind of being aware of those subtle things. Cause I do think that, um, and I like that this quote kind of bring it, it, for me, this quote calls in those looking for those subtle things and those subtle kind of symbols of of change and progress rather than kind of expecting like something that's super, super dramatic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really love the uh, from a little bit ago, you brought in the imagery of, of a fence. And I, I think it it's interesting to add that imagery to the edge because I feel that's actually the, the most accurate it's that we are at an edge that's being blocked by a fence and we have to climb over the fence to get to the next edge that has a fence um, because a- as humans our perception is limited we don't have we don't have an ability of to be all-knowing and and all mindful all, all the time it's just not in our capacity so we are all kind of blocked in by fences and it's choosing to go over them i'll give an example um just from my own life of something i experienced this this week um i i try to be as mindful as possible of things but just living your life and not being able to really yes we can be empathetic with others and, and try to feel what they're feeling but we can't live life the way they do and the way people interact with each of us as individuals is not the way they interact with a different individual. So the experiences are different. And as much as I try to understand and be aware of other people's experiences, it's just hard to be aware of all of them. And uh, I was at work and a woman was talking about her uh, young daughter and that she was being bullied 
at school because of the color of her skin. Um, just being told that she wasn't pretty. Um, and she came home saying that she wanted uh, white skin is what happened. So it and uh, my first kind of initial reaction was just, I mean, I, I teared up and I got I got really emotional because it, it's something I'm very aware of is, is a problem, but because it doesn't affect me directly, it, there's moments where I was spending my day not thinking anything about that. Mm-hmm. And then it's just the awareness that this is something people of color think about nonstop. So it's 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 an interesting and there was an interesting dynamic that would take us to another thing because my assumption was oh this girl must be going to majority white school and I had all these kind of assumptions based on it and I asked a few questions and that wasn't the reality so there was just a much more and then it it triggered in me an, an awareness of the complexity of the issue and it's not just at as simple as we, I think, instinctually react to it. Because right. I know I know about the complexities of it, but still the, the initial reaction is to simplify it the best I can to wrap my head around it. And I think yes. that's naturally what, what people do. Yeah. Gosh, that's a really, really important example of those fences and how we don't see other people's fences and we don't see the things that get in the way for other people. And you're, you're a very aware person. And I think you intentionally try to be aware of these issues. And like you said, you're aware of the complexities, but there's a difference between being aware of it, but being able to forget about it. Right. Right. Versus people who are living in it and this is their life. And for that little girl who is being bullied in it, just, breaks my heart so much. And yet I hear so many of these stories and, 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 um, that's her, that's what she has to experience on a day-to-day basis. And so she's unable to forget about it. Her mother is unable to forget about it. Those in her space are, are, this is their, their struggle. And then, you know, add on to that, whatever other list of things are creating fences, um, you know, in their life. And so I think you're right, that there's just, we, we can't, we can try to have an awareness and we can try to, to, to learn and to constantly have our eyes open. And yet we just can't understand on a certain level, each other's experiences. And we're constantly, what we, I think what we have to be willing to do is take in new information when we get it and, and incorporate that, you know, and, and, and not kind of fight against that. Cause it sounds like for you, like you said, your brain was trying to make it make sense. So it's like, okay, yeah, it must be in majority white school blah, blah, blah. But yet when you find out that that's not the case, so you asked questions, you didn't just leave with that assumption, right? So a lot of times we just, we want to make things fit and we want to make them work in our own mind. And so we, but we, a lot of times don't really want to confirm that. And so you were curious and continued to ask questions and then found that that wasn't true and then had to expand your awareness of the issue even more. Um, and, and so I think that that's the struggle because a lot of times when we, hear about something that we don't experience or doesn't fit. Um, it's, it's, it's the, the rejection of it that I think creates pain. Um, so I know for me, I don't expect everybody to understand what I go through as a black woman. Like I don't, it would be really, 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 it just, it just wouldn't make sense to have that expectation for people. But what, what is really painful is when, 
your experience and how you're feeling it isn't validated. Right. And so if you were to have responded in a different way, which is something that people have responded to me, if I've tried to, or if I've expressed my views on, on, um, racial injustice or my experience as a black woman, people will, will say, well, no, that's not that, that just isn't what it is. So like, if you had responded differently and were like, oh, well, you know, that, that can't be what they're bullying her for. It's gotta be something else. And like argued with that mom rather than like having your heart open and being allowed, allowing yourself to feel what that must feel like where you were, where you teared up and you were able to empathize and think, you know, wow, that's, that's got to hurt. You know what I mean? Versus that like initial reaction of rejection, which I think is just, you know, so you were learning, but you had your self open to be able to take in new things rather than trying to reject what didn't fit your own view. Yeah. And I think too, in talking about uh, perception and um, assumptions in, in this case specifically, I think it's important that the, the awareness part is the important part um, because uh, I'll, I'll just, the, the example is um, she was talking to another black woman about it and I was just standing there. So I let them have the conversation and just listened um, mm-hmm. and then realized I was having the kind of the making the assumptions in my head, but I didn't then interrupt the conversation for clarification. Um, And what I got, because I wasn't clear what the the intention was behind telling the story. Um, And as I listened more, I realized it was because the the mother wanted to, didn't know how to fix the problem. Didn't know how to, and and I don't want to say fix the problem. She she wanted to find ways to um, empower her daughter to feel beautiful. And she was asking the other woman for advice. So it it was it wasn't until later when then it was just the two of us that I asked uh, I asked I guess for clarification. But the the engagement I had later was because I had an idea based on what she was asking for. And there's a an organization called um, A Thousand Black Girl Books. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought that would be helpful for her daughter. And that was still based on the interesting thing was that advice was based on, uh, my assumption because I assumed, oh, she must go to an all white school. Mm-hmm. So she may not be being exposed to stories about young black women in central leading roles. And that's what the whole, uh, a thousand black girl books is about. Um, so that it was interesting that based on my assumption is why I gave that information, but the information was very well received in, in this situation. Every situation is different because I, my intention was to help actually fix the, or assist. I don't want to say fix, fix is the wrong word, assist that what this woman was actually yearning for, as opposed to me interrupting the conversation at the beginning and making it about me wanting clarification so that I could understand. Right. Right. Cause really at the end of the day, it doesn't, I mean, it's, it, it doesn't matter if I understand or not. The problem is exists. Right. Regardless. Right. So. Did you have any urge to like 
to like ask more questions while they were talking about it? Like, was there any, like, or did you just kind of, I didn't know. Um, but I think I've been in situations like that, um, enough in my activism work that I am, uh, conditioned to know not to do that. Yeah. Um, and what the best way to actually, I'm conditioned to do kind of exactly what I did is this isn't about me. So I'm going to step aside and and listen to what is there. And if there's a way I can help, then uh, I'll try to do that. And if if not, I'll let it be because it's not about me. Right, right. And so but I think it's important to kind of recognize and, and point out to other people that that's something that you have worked on through your work of being in these spaces and, and being an activist and, and recognizing that that was something that needed to happen. I think the difficulty is for a lot of people, there's a lot of impulsive involvement in things. And, and so a lot of times I think, and and I think also a lot of it is your, your practice, right. And your meditation and your mindfulness practice that you've been able to train yourself, um, in these ways. And I think that that, that's something that, um, doesn't always happen. And so I think that can create a lot of, of struggle for people. I've had people overhear conversations that I was having and, and jump in and, and, um, try to white explain to me about the issue without even having any idea what was going on, you know? And so I definitely think that that's something that, that that's another way that that interaction could have ended differently, but it, it's interesting that, um, your recommendation, your, your referral of thousand black girl books was, was applicable. And like you said, it wasn't based on what you originally thought, but it was still something that was, that was received. Right. And I I think too, I think there's two extremes, right? So you have the people who, and and you, you, if you go to any kind of rally or, or anything like that, you, you see it, the people who are, reacting and just need to talk and want to insert themselves into the conversation whether they know what's going on or not or if it's relevant to them or not but you also have the other extreme which is where i think i naturally fit in before mindfulness i was never that kind of person who ever would feel an urge to to speak up in those situations i was the person who would retreat and even if i did have something that could be very helpful, I would stay silent because I, mm-hmm. I wasn't comfortable speaking. Um, so mindfulness and, and my mindfulness training helped me uh, see better when the right time to speak is mm-hmm. and make me feel more comfortable. And it's all, and for me, it's, it's all in uh, of being of service. It's, it's not making it about me. If, if do I have something that can help this person with what they need. And it's also then just giving the information and leaving it. I didn't I didn't give my recommendation and then keep talking about it and demanding that this is the solution, blah, blah, blah. I just presented this as, this might be helpful to you. It, it might not. It's just something I know of. I don't know if you heard of it. You may have. It's a great thing. Here's the information. And then I walked Let, away. And she yeah. then later started talking to me more about it and asking me more questions about it. So then, but I think that's the way it, it has to be, or I not has to be, but that's the way it, it in my experience is the, the most effective way to have that conversation. It's a, it's a back and forth based on what the, the needs of the, the person you're trying to help are. 
Right. Right. And so it's, it's, it's deprioritizing your ego and making, you know, your need to be heard or your need to kind of have these ideas and things like not really making that important, putting that to the back burner and really being willing to listen to what that person needs and what they're asking for. And I think that that's, I mean, that's what mindful communication I think is, is that we, you know, really are being aware of your communication and the words that you use in, um, not in a necessarily an act of service, but just being, just being aware of, of, of the impact and of, of, you know, just recognizing that, that your words, what you choose to say, what you choose not to say, that those things mean something and that, that it has an impact on that other person rather than kind of coming from it from a very, again, more ego focused way of just wanting to share the information, wanting people to know that you have it, you know, and it may not, and I'm not even judging it in a negative way. I think that a lot of times when we've learned something, we just want to share it. We want to tell people it's excitement. I know a lot of times for me, when I find out about something, I'll get excited. And I know that there have been times where I've done exactly what we're saying isn't effective, which is not really listening to what the other person needs, but just more excited about some new study that I read and wanting to like share something that may not really be relevant or that they're not really open to. So I think that it doesn't have to come from a place of like, just, you know, thinking you're so amazing that everybody has to hear and listen to what you're saying. I think a lot of times it can come from like just being excited about something and and caring, but not recognizing that not, not taking that other step of, of opening up to what that other person needs. Right. It's, it's like the, the love languages idea Mm -hmm. in, in that we, as humans tend to show love the way we want to be loved as opposed to the way the person we want to show love to wants to be loved. And it's just taking that extra step to find out, well, well, how, how is it that you like to be shown love as opposed to trying to put your own idea on it. And I, and bringing this back all to the, to the quote, um, what what got me into this was this idea of these fences, right? And we're in, and we climb over the fence, and we find ourselves right on a new edge with a new fence. Right. And I think that's the the idea of the process of where we're at, and that's the continual uh, step by step. I mean that that's life. That's right. you never get to a point where there is no fence. There's always a fence. And it comes back to meditation. A big meditation thing is just counting. You just count up to 10 and down to 10 and up to 10 and down to 10 or just keep cycling through. And it's that same idea of it's just a never-ending process. And I think for a lot of people, that's very overwhelming because they want to break through the fences and they want to get to that point where there are no fences. And it's it, it we're human, so there's always fences. And I think the best way... To do that, and it's, this is much, much, much easier said than done, is try to find a way to enjoy that process. Yeah. Um, or at a very minimum, accept that that process. Yes. Um, and, and, to, and to realize that it still is, even though every time you're, you're getting over a fence to find yourself in front of a new one, you're still moving forward and there's still all those fences that you've cleared 
um, that are making you who you are. And I think that's an easy thing to to forget because in, in mindfulness too, we, we talk about a lot about being in the moment and being in the moment and being present. And I think a lot of people hear that as, well, they don't believe that you can ever look at the past or think about the future or any of that stuff. And, and I, that's not actually the the truth. There's, there's a lot of moments you have to take to reflect on the past and think about the future in order to be able to find a, a present moment. Right. A lot of that is, is how you figure out how to clear that fence how you figure out how to kind of call up the strength and the resources to clear that fence is by looking back at the, the long list of fences that you've cleared in your life that, you know, every time. And I know that that's for, for a lot of us, each time we reach one of these new fences, we think, Oh God, how am I going to, how am I going to make it over this one? Right. And so every new fence is that brings that feeling, that fear of like, how am I going to do this? But if we're able to look back and use that as a tool, you can look back and think, well, wait, there was a fence back there that I totally didn't think I would get over. And I did. And that's what gives you the tools and the resources. And also looking forward to to plan and think about where you want to go, you know, so there's a fence to the left and there's a fence to the right. Well, which, which direction feels like the, the one that I'm more drawn to. And I think that's where joy comes in. I think that's where the joy really comes in because we're not, you know, it's not about seeking constant joy. I don't think that that's really realistic that that we're not always going to be in a joyful state, but I do think that finding your path, because I I work with a lot of people who don't know where they want to go, don't know what they want to do, really just have no idea. And so that's where I tell them, you've got to seek that joy. What, what things bring joy for you that, that, that you're not aware of and moving towards those things in order to kind of decide which direction you want to go. And so I think part of that is, does have to be kind of future planning. And I think, you know, in the quote, it says not getting distracted by the future. And so it's not about not thinking about the future or not, or not intending towards the future, but it's about not allowing that to distract you from what's actually in front of you right now. Cause if you're distracted by the future, then you're not seeing the fence that you need to clear to get there. Right. And I really dislike using this word. I just can't think of another word to use, but <laughs> in a way it's, it's about, and this isn't the right word, uh, control. Um, it, it's about control in the, in the essence of when looking to the future or the past become a problem is when you get stuck there, right? And it's this idea of very rarely do we get stuck in the present. Being in the present is something we have to, to, to work at. It's, it's right. It becomes a, the future and the past become a problem when you start thinking about them and you're unaware you're thinking about them or you're unaware that you're stuck in these emotional states that you have no power of getting out of. I mean, being mindful and, and really being present and when when we talk about those things to me isn't about the ideas of past present and future it's about not being locked into anything it's saying mm-hmm. oh i'm having this thought about the past and now i'm moving on to this thing i'm doing right now and then now i'm having this thought about the future and i'm letting that go to come back to where i'm at now and that's kind of the, the and as you meditate more you realize i think people think Oh, eventually the voices in your head go away and you stop thinking about the 
the past and the future and you have complete control over your thoughts and that's never i mean i don't know anyone who's that's ever been the case for i don't want to say it's not possible but uh, i've never seen it i've never experienced it it's always about having a thought of the past or the future and recognizing that i'm thinking about it and saying okay now i'm going to come back to what i'm doing and the focus on what i'm doing and then i get distracted by something and the awareness that oh i'm going to come back that the the issue and i think where the this and to me i when when i say joy and, and things like that that is the idea around joy mm-hmm. um and what brings joy because it, it allows you to focus on what you're doing right now mm-hmm. um and if if you're aligned with things that you're that you like to do, then that's joy. There's times where you have to do things you don't want to do, but mm-hmm. that's about getting over that fence, right? And you being in the being able to be as present as possible when you need to be is what's going to help you get over that fence. And yes, you can look to the past for um, for history and for for lessons that you've learned, and then once you have that, come back to the present and not get stuck there and to move yourself forward or to think about things in the future to have a better plan. And then you come back to get over that, that fence, but that's yeah. the, the process of, I guess, the joy. Yeah. Yeah. And, and actually when you were talking about that, it really brought up kind of my own process for when I'm not being mindful, I, I've always been a daydreamer. I could just live in my daydreams for hours. And like as a kid, I would just sit and just just create my own future world that I was happy to live in and didn't deal in the present. And and recognizing that even as an adult, that's something that I've struggled with. So that's kind of my future seeking brain. So I'm I'm more when I'm not working on my mindfulness, I don't really get too stuck in the past. I'm able to let things go more easily that have happened in the past, but I get really, really caught up in dreaming about the future. But what I learned about myself is that I can have all these ideas and I can have this, this, this beautiful picture that I'm imagining. But if I'm not mindful and I'm not bringing myself and re-anchoring myself back to the present, then I'm not doing anything to actually manifest those things. And so they just kind of dissolve. And I, you know, realize I, I can, you know, I can think about it, but then I have to find a way to start anchoring myself back to the present so that I can do oftentimes the things that don't bring me very much joy, um, the, the things that bore me, the things that are that are difficult or frustrating or I don't understand and being willing to do those things and recognizing that those are the steps to clear those fences to getting to where I want to go. But for me, it's really been a lot of kind of intentional bringing myself back to like, okay, you know, you can think about this all you want, but now what do you need to do right now? What step can you take in this moment to work towards that or create that because it, it it won't go anywhere if you're not if you're completely living in the future then nothing is happening in the present right and i think what happens too is uh, we we don't live in one state or the other all three are kind of happening simultaneously mm-hmm. in a way so there's no way for you to hide from the present. It's about where your your focus is at. And I think what happens is people who, because I'm a writer, I'm an actor, like, yes, I have a very in, insane imagination and, and enjoy living in that imaginative place. And I enjoy creating worlds and, and getting lost in them in a way, but not stuck 
in them. And what, what happens, I think, for a lot of people is they get stuck in these worlds they're creating, these these future worlds or these past worlds, because the past is also, we're, the way we think of the past is just a, a hologram of the past. It's not act, We're not actually reliving or rethinking about the past. It's our view, the imprint we have in our minds of it. And what happens is when you get stuck in there, you're also living in the present. You can't, you can't run from the fact that there are things in the present happening. So you end up judging the present based on these worlds you wish were the present. And then mm-hmm. that's where the, 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 the struggle comes in because you want to live in these worlds that you're creating instead of the real world. And then you get stuck there. And you, you want to kind of seek refuge in these uh, imaginary places and try to run from... It's like the people who run from the cliff. You want to run from the present moment, but the problem is you're in the present whether you want to be there or not. Right. So. Yeah, yeah. So I wanted to bring it back just a little bit to the quote, just to kind of... Um, wrap things up that last line about spiraling inward and and feeling your wonderment i think that's another thing that we don't really do a lot of is really like spiral inward and and wonder at who we are as humans and like you know just this just the beauty of the ability to to live in this world but be inspired by things and have this connection to nature but also be connected to each other and 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 so um I think for homework, I would like to um, have you guys think about spiraling inward and um, what do you find there for yourself when you spiral inward that creates a sense of wonder? I love that. I just love the the spiraling inward because, I mean, for me, when I think of spiraling within... uh, in a quote or in a saying, I think spiraling out of control. So mm-hmm. to, and it's like you were talking about the importance of language. And I think it's all about your perspective because that spiraling to me is normally this idea of chaos and to use that same word in a way that, that moves it into a meaning of, of mindfulness and in a way is just, I think an, an empowering skill to develop. For sure. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> well, uh, you can, the, the homework will be posted on our Facebook group. Um, I actually changed the name. So now it's Civil Discourse, uh, a mindfulness podcast. Because people yeah. were saying they were having a hard time finding us because we had a different name than the podcast name. So now it's the same. Um, so join us there and have a, we're not sure if we're going to be back before the new year. Um, I'm hoping, but in case we're not, um, I hope everyone has a great holidays, great new year. Yes. Have a wonderful new year. The equinox is tomorrow. You will so enjoy that and we'll see you guys next time.